now I'm involved. But I wanted to be more in control of what was happening this time because I felt confident to do that. Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. When you have fast, uncomplicated births, does the location really even matter at that point? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 227 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and today we're speaking with Laura Lee Kirkland, a mother to three babies Earthside and one in heaven. We'll hear how Laura Lee's decision making has changed with each new birth and how she's been able to step into both labor and motherhood more confidently each time. Now, before we jump in, I'm going to give a little spoiler alert. Laura Lee shares about the benefit of truly preparing for the birth experience you desire and how it's really not up to anyone but you to educate you. This is such an important piece of advice, and I completely agree. In fact, this is why I've created Happy Home Birth Academy. The reality is that no one is going to care about how this birth unfolds as much as you will, so let's get educated. Let's take the time to decide what's important to you, to prepare for all of the potential situations that may arise, to learn how to not only cope, but enjoy our birthing experience, and to deeply ready ourselves for postpartum. And I've got a coupon code for you. Use the code PODCAST to get 10% off at checkout. You can just jump to the show notes and click right there to gain access or go to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash HHA. Okay, let's head into today's episode. Please remember that the opinions of my guests may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa. And the show is not medical advice. It's an educational tool. So continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Laura Lee, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thanks for having me, Caitlin. I've been excited to chat with you today. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. It is really fun to have somebody local on the show. So this will be such a great conversation. Would you mind taking just a few minutes to introduce yourself and your family to the listeners? Sure. Yeah. My name is Laura Lee. I'm married to my eighth grade sweetheart. We uh, had a rocky start, but made it to the aisle. We've been married years in August. Three children on earth. Wow. You and your eighth grade sweetheart had a rocky start. That's... (laughs) Yes. Imagine that. Crazy. (laughs) But that's so wonderful. What an incredible relationship. So let's go ahead. I know you've got several stories to walk us through. Let's start from the beginning. Can you share what your first uh, pregnancy and birth experience was like? Yeah, so my first was in 2017. We were living in Charleston and had just moved there when I got pregnant. And I would say the pregnancy itself was really good. It was kind of stereotypical. I had like, you know, the morning sickness and um, I was in real estate school and felt miserable in class all day long. Um, But we survived. Um, I immediately um, called an OB when I found out I was pregnant and got on their schedule. Um, a lot of the people in my family are medical. Um, and so the idea of delivering in a hospital was pretty normal to me. And I always expected to do that. That's how I pictured it in my head. 
Um, but right before I got pregnant, I had met somebody who was telling me about uh, the business of being born documentary. And I was like, all right, I'm about to, you know, start trying to have a baby. So I should start learning stuff. So I watched it and I was like, oh, wow, like there's so much more to this than just go to the OB and do whatever they tell you. So I started learning and researching and got very into it. And after watching that documentary, I was convinced I was like, I definitely want a natural birth, but I can do that in the hospital. That's probably the best way to go because I want to be safe and I want to make sure everybody else feels good about it. That was important to me at the time. So I went to my appointments and um, was like super excited for each one. So we have like, you know, your ultrasound and get to see the little baby. And then they take you in with the OB and they're like, all right, do you have any questions? Everything looks good. And I'm like, uh, no, I don't have any questions. I don't think in questions. I'm not very curious. Um, I love learning, but I don't ask questions to learn. I just read. Um, so I, I kept leaving being like, all right, well, I guess I'll figure out what's next. So at my probably 12 week appointment, I was trying to come up with a question and I was like, um, so when do we talk about a birth plan? And they're like, uh, anytime you want, I guess. Um, I was like, okay. Cause I'm pretty sure I want to do a natural birth. And he was like, okay. A lot of people come in with their Bradley method, um, plans. And we usually end up having to do a C-section on them. And I was like, oh, oh my okay. word. That's good to know. Yeah. What that, that seems like it might say more about you than it does about your clients, sir. Yes. I already knew from researching him that he specialized in high risk and multiple deliveries. Mm. So I did understand that, but I was also like, this is probably not a good fit, especially if, cause I know that a lot of stuff is out of your control, but if like you're saying, it says more about them, like if I might have a great plan to go natural, but it might not go well. And if you, you tend to jump to a C-section, maybe you're not the right fit for me. Right. So I was like, okay, I think I'm going to go the midwife route. Um, so they had a birthing center that's right next to the hospital and I toured it and immediately felt like this was a better fit for me. So probably when I was 16 weeks or something, I switched to them and really liked the more personal care that your appointments were a little bit longer. And they did spend time teaching me what was happening in my body, which I thought that was a normal part of a prenatal appointment, but apparently it's not all the time. And, you know, some people have great experiences with their OBs. I just wasn't particularly impressed with mine. So that was pretty smooth sailing from there. Very normal pregnancy. We have a joke in the family. I was the first of all of my siblings to have kids and my mom had very fast deliveries and it was like, if you even think you're in labor, you better get to the hospital um, kind of thing. And so they also, I remember my dad saying like, you're not going to hit 40 weeks, like definitely going to go early. And so there's kind of that expectation or hope maybe, of course it's a hope. Nobody wants to go for 40 weeks. Um, and so right at 39 weeks, my mom had come a few days before to help me finish setting up the nursery. We didn't know, we didn't want to find out gender with any of our children. And so we did our little gender neutral nursery and she left and went home. And wouldn't you know it the next day, um, always, um, I know it was a Sunday. I went to church in the morning and was sitting during the service and I was like, I don't know, I might be having some contractions. They weren't very obvious. 
Um, I didn't have any Braxton Hicks, so I didn't really have anything to compare it to. I was like, oh, maybe I'm having some Braxton Hicks because these don't really hurt much. Um, and went home. My husband's a pastor, so he stayed for the next services. And around like afternoon, I was like, okay, these feel like actual, it's getting more regular. I should probably start tracking. So maybe around 4 p.m. I started tracking and they were maybe seven minutes apart. And I was like, oh, yay. I knew from my birth class that under 10 minutes is active labor. And I'm very, I love following my schedule of what to expect. So um, I did, knew not to get excited. Don't get excited. You don't want to disrupt the hormones. Um, just kind of be calm, relax, take a walk, shower, see if they continue. So I did like all the things I learned in my birth class. And my birth class really helped me feel equipped to like know each stage, what to expect. And um, we, when my husband was home, we took a walk around the neighborhood. I ate, I wanted to make sure I got some food because I knew at the hospital I likely wouldn't be able to. And I, I thought my labor would be fairly quick, but I didn't want to assume. So um, around six, they were like three to five minutes apart already. So I had really been in active labor around 4 p.m. Around six, I'm like, okay, they're getting closer together. My midwife had said three to five minutes apart for two hours before I come in. And I was like, great. That sounds good. <laughs> and now the <laughs> stories, I'm like, that's a little bit maybe longer than other people do. Yeah, but I was like, the less time at the hospital, the better. I just want to go there right. and have the baby. So I think around 8.30, we headed to the hospital because they were three to five minutes apart. And I was pretty uncomfortable in the car. Like, thank goodness that we lived less than 10 minutes from the hospital because I was like, this is, this is intense. And my water didn't break. And so I was like, I don't know if that's coming any minute. I didn't know what to expect. We get checked in and I'm four to five centimeters and disappointed because I was two to three in my prenatal checks. And um, I was like, oh man, this stinks. It's going to be a long night. Um, so I had called my mom and she and my sister were in the car headed, headed test. They're three hours away. So they, um, show up maybe around nine or 10. I don't know. And my contractions are overlapping like one to two minutes apart. I'm not getting any break. All I can remember from my class is relax. Don't fight the contractions. And I was like, okay, if nothing else, I'm going to relax and not fight the contractions. <laughs> And I tried like, you know, leaning on my husband, the peanut ball, everything made it so much more intense. And I was like, all I can do is lay here on my side. <laughs> so my midwife had come in right when I got there. She had been with somebody all day in the hospital who had been laboring since like 8 a.m. And she had to be with her mostly. So I had my nurse who was fantastic. I really liked her. Um, but, you know, they do the whole like strap the monitor on your belly. And that was really hard for me to get in the right position for. Um, and I just laid on my side and took them wave after wave. And I would not say that I was thriving. I was just kind of <laughs> like, I felt like I was surviving. Um, mm -hmm. My husband was doing the double hip squeeze and my sister is holding my hand and my mom was cold washcloth on me. And I just, I was not present mentally at all. Like I, I was just, in the zone, like my eyes were closed. I could not take in any more sensory things. And I just um, kind of let it happen to me. Um, 
And then when they came to check me around, I guess, so we checked in at 8.30 and closer to 10.30, I was like maybe seven centimeters. And then at midnight, I'm like, I feel like I kind of want to push. And with the midwife had delivered a baby like 15 minutes before the, with the other woman. And she comes in and she's like, you're ready to go. So like, you can push when you're ready. Um, and she had tried to help me like sit up and be on my knees facing towards the back of the bed. And I was like, whoa, that is so intense. I cannot do that. Um, so I chose to turn over on my back, kind of propped up. And um, she kind of coached me through pushing, which I not like one, two, three, four, five, but like um, a little bit more. OK, hold hold back a little. And she, I really do credit her with helping me not tear because I was very unaware of like I was obviously feeling everything, but I didn't really know what to do or how to do it kind of thing. Um, so I pushed for 17 minutes and the baby slid out. And it was such a relief and like a huge wave of emotions. Like my husband and I were just crying and I'm like, what is it? Cause you know, we didn't know whether it was a boy or a girl and they're like, you tell us. And they held the baby up and it was a girl. And we like said it at the same time and just, it was so transformative as a human into a being a mom and to have that experience with my husband and my, I wasn't anticipating having my mom and sister in the room, but like, it was kind of like all hands on deck and I didn't care anymore. And it was just such a beautiful thing to be surrounded by people who love you. And my midwife was great. And we just, it was the best several hours. Like we, it was 4am when I looked at my phone and was like, Oh my gosh, we've been here for three and a half hours already. And time just flew. It was so great. She nursed immediately and I immediately felt so much relief and so much better. So, and also nurses are saints, the way that they help you after you have babies. And I'm, I'm sure midwives do the same after you have birth, but anybody who helps women give birth and takes care of them afterwards are amazing. I had no idea, you know, that first time you have a baby, you learn a whole lot about what it takes and um, you can't do it alone. It's really helps to have a community. So that was our first. Um, I walked away with it from it being like, that was a great experience. I think everybody should do this if they can. Like, I, I can't believe how easy it was to heal. Um, we go home with the baby and I am crying all the time. Like, I'm happy, but I am like, everything feels big to me. Like, every time somebody else holds her, I'm like, it's my baby. And um, it kind of continued like that. I didn't realize it at the time because I'm pretty familiar with the feelings of anxiety, but it did not feel like anxiety. It just felt like, oh, this is what it's like to be a mom. You care a lot about your kids and everything is a big deal because you realize you're the one who makes all the decisions for them. And I just got sucked in to uh, maybe helicopter mom, but not in a sense of like controlling everything, but I just could not relax with a lot of things. So that was what being a mom was like for me for the first year. Um, and around the time she was one or so, we were like, all right, we can start trying. And my um, cycle had not resumed at all. I was nursing and having a really hard time keeping weight on. I was pretty underweight, um, which I realize is maybe some people think that sounds nice, but it that it's not very nice because you don't have energy and you don't feel healthy or good. You just feel um, like just tired all the time. 
So um, I didn't know if we'd be able to get pregnant right away since I hadn't had a cycle. I knew we'd probably have to just catch the first egg out. Um, and that's what we did. So we got pregnant um, when she was around 12, no, 13 or 14 months old. And it just happened to be at a time that we were going through a lot of turmoil personally and vocationally. And there was just a lot of really hard things at that time in our life. And I was still very underweight. And we went on a trip, um, a great trip to the Bahamas with our family for New Year's. And we put my daughter in a little shirt that said big sister and everyone, we all like kind of convened at the airport on layovers. It was another family that we always do New Year's with in our family. And that's how I announced to them that um, we were expecting. And while we're in the airport, I start bleeding. Oh, gosh. And I'm like, oh, no. You know, we're about to be gone at in the Bahamas. And I'm like, I don't have, does anybody have like something I can borrow because I'm not prepared for this. So that whole week was very bittersweet. I mean, it was really hard to enjoy it when you feel like something's wrong and you're away from home and you don't know about the medical system there if you need anything. But we made it through that week and came home. I had my eight-week appointment scheduled for the next week when we got home. And right like two days before my appointment, um, I definitely bled enough that I was like, this is a miscarriage. I was hoping it was like implantation spotting or something that I had never had with the first one, but it just was too much. And so when she went in to check, she was like, I, I can't even really see what's going on here because there's so much blood. So um, we'll just monitor your levels. And, you know, I don't know why anybody would know this, but I didn't have a clue about what happens when you have a miscarriage. Um, so they start blood work and I'm very needle averse. <laughs> I pass out easily. And especially when I'm underweight, I pass out even more easily. Um, so it was a, it was an awful season. I mean, they had to do a lot of blood draws and couldn't find my veins and, um, it just was terrible. They were very sweet and, um, kind to help me walk through that as best as they could, but I don't think anything prepares you for it. And the emotional roller coaster that happens afterwards, because your body is trying to figure out what's going on. And it's like, I'm pregnant. I'm not pregnant. Um, you're excited. You're, you're not having a baby anymore. And it just is whiplash. So that was a really unexpected thing. Like there, I didn't have any inkling that that would be something that would happen to me, even though I know how common it is. Um, the joke in our family is that like we get pregnant immediately. Like it's easy for us to get pregnant. And while I'm thankful for that, I didn't even think about what could happen if you have a miscarriage. So that was challenging. And we were kind of like, I mean, maybe we should take a step back from trying to have a baby right now. Maybe it's not a good time. Like we really did have a lot going on. And so it was like, you know, if we get pregnant by the end of this month, okay. But if not, let's just wait. This is in January or February. It was like, we'll just wait till the summer. And Gave it a few weeks and we were pregnant again. Um, so the the one shot we were giving it was like, all right, I guess it's time. Um, and we had had um, someone come up to us the week we had miscarried. We were in a uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting with our church. And so I went like the day after my miscarriage and had just cried with people and they were praying for us. And um, a friend of ours was like, I just feel like 
God's wanting to say that you have a son coming. And um, I had felt like that baby was a boy. And so it was bittersweet. I don't think he, I don't think he knew that we were expecting. And so to me, that was like, yeah, we did have a son coming, um, which was hard to admit to ourselves, but also like kind of affirming, you know, that life meant something to us and to God. And so, um, you know, we're pregnant with this next one and hoping that it's a boy because we'd love to have a boy too. Um, and we continued with our midwife that we had the first time. And this pregnancy was harder for me physically. We lived in a townhouse with three stories. And so I was doing a lot of stairs with a one-year-old all the time. And I was just having a lot of lower back pain, just not handling it super well. Uh, it just felt much harder the second time around. Um, and I had the same like morning sickness or afternoon sickness. It just kind of never went away the first trimester. Thankfully, all my nausea stays in the first trimester. That does make it easier. Um, but I was, I was ready to go earlier this time around. Um, so... Um, I decided to see a chiropractor about third trimester because I was like, my back is killing me. Surely this will help. And it did. It was so helpful. I was so glad to find a chiropractor. And I didn't realize, I, I wasn't convinced yet that chiropractic care was necessary. I've kind of been on a journey uh, in my life, even before pregnancy, towards um, health, nutrition, learning and growing in different methods that can help you that are less invasive and more like natural to how your body functions. And that was like a next step for me of realizing like this has existed for a long time and it's very effective. Um, so that was really fun to find something that was helpful because I could tell like a difference to the day. Like I knew around day five, I would start hurting a little bit more and be ready for an adjustment. Um, and it, it was just great. So um, my goal for this next delivery was, because I like to compete with myself, I wanted my birth to be a little bit faster. Because um, the first one was start to finish of active labor, only like eight hours, which is totally great for a first birth. But I was like, you know, I think it'd be a little faster. That'd be nice. Um, I don't know. I, I cared about that at all. But um, I think also with being in the hospital, I was like, just don't want to be there super long. And my water had never broken with Finley's birth. So I was like, that, that was nice because I didn't have to clean up anything. And I didn't have any questions about what active labor was. It was very obvious. So um, I was like, that would be cool too. So, so it was a Saturday evening. I like to have weekend babies. Um, and we had, my mom had come up again. We, in this meantime, had, I had felt like God was telling us that we were going to move and I didn't set up a nursery for this child. I was just like, I know this is happening. And I didn't feel like I could tell my husband cause he was leading a team and I didn't want him to feel uprooted in his mind cause I had no hard facts to back this up. It was just like, this is a feeling I have. And so, so I was just like, he's like, do you want to like put a crib in there? And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, we'll figure it out. Cause I also co-slept for a while. And so I was like, I mean, she'll, she or he will be with us regardless for a while. So we'll just wait till we find out what the gender is, is what I told him. So we can 
<laughs> we'll just we'll just wait until we find out where we're moving. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I felt like it was the upstate of South Carolina, like back to home, but I didn't have any specifics, and so I didn't want to say anything. And so I'm I'm due Halloween, and it's like summertime before it's probably August before I feel like I can tell him why, and I tell him, and wouldn't you know it. Things just started happening and they asked us to move back up to Greenville. So I'm like trying to figure out timing of when to list our house because I'm a realtor and I decide to list our house. My mom comes up and we're just kind of waiting. I was hoping since I went into labor with my first at 39 weeks, I was thinking maybe it'll be earlier, you know, got all excited. And of course it was not earlier. Um, (laughs) But it was only 39 and two when I went into labor. But um, my mom had come up that week at that 38 and a half or so and helped me get the house ready. So I listed our house on a Wednesday, I think. And we had showings Thursday and Friday and Saturday morning. And then Saturday night, I was bathing my daughter with my husband and getting her to bed. And right, right around like 6.45 or something, right after you're giving her a bath, I was like, wow, that was a really strong contraction. And I had had Braxton Hicks for since 22 weeks. Like I had been having on my whole pregnancy. And I even had like a false alarm, which is why my mom had come up. I had had them like seven minutes apart for four hours and then it just went away. And so I was disappointed about that, but I was like, all right, maybe everyone tells you like, they're not fake. Like it does count towards when you have labor, it's doing something. It's just wasn't your time. I'm like, all right. So she helps and goes home. We have our showings. We're getting our daughter to bed. I have a sharp contraction. I'm like, that was real. That was definitely real. Um, I'll start tracking. I track for 15 minutes and they're like five minutes apart, three to five minutes apart, two to three minutes apart. And I just start crying. (laughs) And I called my midwife and I was like, I mean, I don't want to go to the hospital at 8 p.m. on a Saturday if it's not real. And I've only been tracking for 15 minutes. So it's probably not real, but it, they're very intense. And I feel like I don't know what to do. And she's like, I think you need to go to the hospital. Um, I live 40 minutes away. I will be there as soon as I can. So I was like, all right. So my neighbor comes over to stay with my daughter. Thankfully, she was already asleep. My husband comes up the stairs right as I'm getting off the phone crying. He's like, are, are you okay? What's wrong? Like he had just gone downstairs after we put the, my daughter to bed and everything was fine. And now I'm crying and I'm like, I think we need to go. Um, so we hop in the car, same thing, very uncomfortable car ride. Um, we get there maybe around 7.30 to 7.45. So I had called around 6.45. It's 7.30, 7.45 we're pulling in. I'm like walking in, pausing every minute or two, um, for contractions. And I always insist on walking in. Like, I'm not going to take the wheelchair. This is good for me. It's part of, part of the birth process. Um, it's good for me to move around. So we have to go up to the fourth floor. We get up there and everyone's very nonchalant and calm. You know, it's a quiet Saturday night. Um, so we're, you know, checking in and I'm having to stop a lot and we're walking and she just keeps walking i'm like can you just wait a minute please (laughs) and she was like oh yeah sure um and i mentioned the midwife 
And she was like, oh, you're with the birth center. Okay, well, you're an automatic admittance then. We don't have to take you to the triage room. So we're going to have to walk all the way back around this way. Oh, "Oh, great. Sure. (laughs) So we get all the way around to the other way and they, you know, give me my hospital gown and whatever. And I get all changed and I'm like, determined this time I'm not going to lay on my side and just endure it. I'm going to like stand up and I'm going to move. And um, I tried that and did it for a little bit. And then it just was not happening for me. So I lay down on the bed and I'm kind of starting to hyperventilate. Like I'm not really, not really managing it well. I felt like the previous time, even though my contractions were overlapping, maybe a little bit closer together, I was able to focus on breathing. But this time it was just like, whoa. And I just, I had a nurse in my face being like, you've got to breathe with me. You've got to breathe with me. And she had some strong coffee breath. Oh. I was like, you've got to get out of my face. You've got to get out of my face. I literally um, cannot breathe with you here. <laughs> please back up. Please back up. Um. And that's about all I remember. The next thing I know, I'm like, the baby's coming and nobody's in our room. My husband is like running out in the hallway and like, can somebody come help us, please? And the baby just slid out. I was laying on my side and he just slid out. And somebody is like, oh, oh, the baby's coming. They're like getting their gloves on. And I had checked in pretty much at nine centimeters and it was 803 Um, so about a little less than an hour and a half since I had had my first contraction and they, you know, picked him up and like haphazardly mentioned that it was a boy. We had like no moment of like, it's a boy, even though I knew it was a boy. Um, it just was like so fast and overwhelming. And I felt like, again, it just happened to me. Like Mm -hmm. it was like super intense and looking back. I was probably in transition when I was hyperventilating, but I just had no idea it could have gone that fast. And I mean, I should have known because my mom was like that, but um, the way that it felt was so different than I expected. And so it was, it was kind of wild. Um, and then they were monitoring his breathing a lot and I didn't remember having a good idea of why, but it was just kind of like, oh, let's just make sure he's okay. Um, and I was like, he's obviously okay. He's very healthy and nursed immediately. And I just felt really good about it, but it was kind of disruptive to be checked a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also of course wanted to make sure he was okay. So I'm okay with that. And we were in the middle of moving. Like I said, we had listed, we had those two showings that morning. We had no showing requests for Sunday, which was perfect. Cause I was in the hospital and we got under contract that next day after I got home and started packing up our house and it felt so much easier to transition postpartum this time. Like I, I healed even faster and, um, we had a lot going on, obviously packing up the house and stuff. And some of our family came and drove my daughter up to where we were moving and my husband moved a bunch of our stuff. And then I was left with the baby, like finishing up little stuff. And we just knocked it out and got moved when he was three weeks old. And, um, we moved in with my parents for a time because we kind of wanted to take our time finding a house since everything was kind of crazy. Um, 
And that, so he was born in October of 2019. And then right around the time we were ready to start looking for houses, COVID hit. Mm -hmm. And um, we were so thankful to be living with family because, you know, a lot of people were isolating. And I think I would have felt like I was suffocating had I been isolated with two little kids. They were exactly two, well, two years and 10 days apart. So they were fairly close together um, or normal together, but whatever. Um, and I was so grateful to not be alone because I was also having like extreme anxiety and depression postpartum Mm. with him. Um, and again, it kind of crept up slowly. I wasn't really realizing what it was, but I, I knew it was bad when my mom would go to leave to like play tennis or something. And I was scared to be by myself and I was like, okay, that's not normal. I should at least be like, I thought it was kind of normal to like not love going out with two little kids and feel like grocery shopping was hard and stuff like that. But it kind of took me back to like feeling like I couldn't handle anything. And I was scared to like live on our our own again, because I was like, at least my mom's home with me during the day when my husband and my dad are at work. Um, And it was like, okay, so I spoke with the doctor and got on some medication that I had been on um, previously in my life. And I had like a really horrible anxiety attack. I'm up crying like a lot of the night. So I'm not sleeping because I'm a, you know, young mom, but I'm also not sleeping because I'm super anxious. And I pushed through that week and it ended up being so much better. Like, I cannot tell you, I didn't realize what normal felt like until I felt normal again. Mm. And it, I was a better mom for my kids. I actually was able to smile and enjoy things. And I just didn't realize how bad it had gotten. And I think that for anybody who has had anxiety before, postpartum anxiety can look very different. And I don't know that it's necessarily something other people can see on you unless you're verbalizing it really well. And I don't, like, I kind of suffer mentally and don't say anything. And I was so thankful to have had that help because I was just not even functioning. And you feel like you're taking something from your children at that point. Um, Like, you want to be present. You want to enjoy all the little milestones. And you're just not. And so, anyways, that was a tough season, but coming out of it, I was like the best I had ever felt mentally. Wow. So that was such a relief. Um, and we were able to find a house around the time my son was eight months old and we got moved in and it was just a really, really fun season. Um, they, you know, they grow so fast, they do funny things. And we were on the fence about whether we wanted any more kids. We were, we were kind of the two to three zone and before I had any children, I wanted three or four. Um, and then I had one and I was like, wow, this is, this is hard to be a parent. Like, yep. <laughs> I, like I have twin sisters that are 18 months older than me and then a younger brother. And I had felt like my mom made it look easy. And so I just expected like, I'll want three or four. It's fun to have a lot close together. Everybody, everybody loves it. And then I had my own and I was like, wow, this really requires a lot of you in a really beautiful way. Like I like who it's changing me into being, but it has, it's hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's very sanctifying. And I didn't realize how 
many selfish tendencies I have that you have to surrender and be like, no, my whole life is given to serve little people who don't appreciate it. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I mean, so I wasn't sure, you know, are we done with two? We're going to have three. My kids also don't sleep through the night till they're like one. And I realized there's things you can do to help that. But for what I felt comfortable with, like I just went with it. So it takes me a while to get some sleep and that's a big factor. Um, but eventually we're kind of like, okay, if we're going to have another one, we don't want them to be too far apart. So around the time uh, our son was two, we were like, okay, I think, I think we do want one more. So we get pregnant and we're in a new place. So we need a new provider. Um, and I was like, you know, I had two really great natural births. I didn't tear with either of them. One of my fears of doing anything like a home birth was that if I tear, like, and I don't have any anesthesia or anything, which I realized you can do local anesthesia. And I wasn't planning on getting an epidural anyways at the hospital, but I was just like, if I tear, I don't want to deal with all that. I also am a little bit of a clean freak. And I was like, I don't like the idea of all that stuff being in my house. (laughs) Um, And, but this time around, I was like, I feel a little bit robbed of like the sweet postpartum experience of getting to like soak in your baby without interruption. And, and that was one thing that bothered me about the hospital was that, okay, you've had your baby. Now we're going to interrupt you every couple of hours to check on you guys, whether you're doing fine or not. And, um, I was like, I kind of, I think I want a home birth this time. I had been listening to your podcast and the normalization of hearing so many positive birth stories of this is not uncommon. It's not dangerous. Like I had been led to believe, I don't know if anyone led me to believe that, but just if you are normal in culture and don't research for yourself, you might think that it's dangerous. Um, So once I did more research and listened to a lot of positive birth stories, I was like, this is what I want. I want a home birth this time. I don't really want to tell everybody because I don't want a lot of opinions. But each step along the way as a mom, I grew in confidence in my decisions um, and realized that you really can't please everybody. So Mm -hmm. somebody's going to have a negative opinion of the decision that you make. And that can't be why you make a decision. Uh, Whereas with the first one, I felt most comfortable in the hospital because I felt like everybody felt in my family felt most comfortable with a hospital birth. And I knew if other people were stressed out, I would be stressed out because I probably would have done the birthing center, but, um, I was like, "Mm, let's just do this. So this time around, I was very confident that what I wanted and I felt like I could absorb any negativity and be okay with that. So I found a midwife and started, um, using them and then found out how much more expensive it would be for me to birth with them than it would be to have, um, a hospital birth. And I was like, Oh, our insurance was going to like basically fully cover if we had had a hospital birth and I'm super practical. And I just felt like I couldn't do that to my family to pay that much more for what I was viewing as a quote unquote experience that I just wanted. And so I switched providers to a very similar practice to what I had been with when we lived in Charleston, except for they were even more medicalized, I believe, 
like it felt like an OB, but a midwife. Mm. Um, and they deliver only in the hospital. They have a birthing center, but um, it was closed at the time because of COVID. So I was hoping that they would open the birthing center before I delivered, but they were not giving me very good indications that it would be open by then. So um, I just kind of was like, you know what? I can birth anywhere. I have pretty good fast deliveries. Just don't get all up in your head about it. You can do it. And as time progressed and I saw different providers, I was just getting less and less satisfied with the care that I was receiving. And it felt like I was shuffling through an OB's office. And um, also with my first two births, I forgot to mention that at my second birth, my midwife did not make it for the delivery because it was so fast. So she delivered the placenta, uh, which is nice. Um, <laughs> but... Um, I felt like my midwife hadn't really been with me for either of my births. And I was hoping that this time around, I would have the one person that I knew could make it be there. And I just felt like that wasn't going to happen. I would have to be in a hospital that was 30 minutes from my house. And I was terrified that I would have a car baby based on my last birth. Like I was like, okay, if I'm going to have a really fast birth and I have to drive 30 minutes, I don't know how this is going to work. And I kept getting more and more uncomfortable with it. But at that point, you know, it's now post COVID. So a lot of people have started using midwives. They are all booked. Mm-hmm. And I had been like, okay, I'm going to find a midwife that's covered for, by my insurance to do a home birth. And I d- did some research and knew that it had to be a certified nurse midwife in network. And so when that all was said and done, there's only two of them that fit that criteria. And I had, um, already reached out to everybody and everybody was full. So I kind of had decided, okay, this is just what's going to be. Well, then I was listening to one of your episodes. Um, and can you remind me of the woman's name who Shanice? Okay. Shanice. Yes. Shanice's story. Um, she shared about how she drove, I believe it was six children from, do you remember what state? I knew she's in, she was in New Jersey. She drove from New Jersey to Texas because Mm -hmm. of the birth that she wanted to have. She lived with family for about a month or something. And when I heard her story, I was like, wow, what commitment to to creating an environment that is going to give you the birth that you want. And obviously, you don't control all of the elements of it. But to whatever extent you can, it was such a kick in my pants to be like, okay, you want a home birth and you don't want to pay for it. like pay as much as you would. And so you're going to have to just ask again. And I usually like to respect people's boundaries and I've been told no. So the answer is no. Um, But after listening to that episode, I was like, no, you know what? I am going to ask again and I am going to tell them all the reasons why I think that they should take me. Um, And I reached out, I DM'd you because we live in the same city now and asked for some recommendations of other midwives. I was like, maybe I'm missing some others that are possibilities. Like I'm going to do everything that I can to make this happen. And so I reached out to some, got some more no's, but there was this one midwife that lived five minutes from my house and she was operating out of her home at the time while she was building a birthing center. She delivered like 1200 babies. She's very seasoned. Um, and I kept seeing her driving on the road. Like I would see her car, it has a bumper sticker with her practice name. And of course I had researched. So I saw her picture on the website and she looked like the picture. I was like, this is her, like, this is the midwife. And I would see her driving on the road and I'd be like, 
this is who I'm supposed to deliver with. I just know it. Stop I'm the sure. car. <laughs> I need to talk to you. I thought about following her wherever she was going one time, but I was like, I don't, I don't want her to like feel like she's scared of me. Right. Um, it's like, a fine balance. Like yes. Yes. I want her to like me. I don't want her to like be like, please get away from me. So I did not follow her, but I looked her up on Facebook and noticed that we had a mutual friend and that we, she attends my parents' church. And I was like, okay, well, more confirmation. I just feel like this is right. So I DM'd her and I was like, hey, just so you know, um, I have talked to your front desk person and they did tell me that you're full, but I am now 36 weeks and I am desperate to have a home birth. This is what my previous births have been. I made it short because I don't want to overwhelm her, but I was like, they were fast. Um, I didn't tear. My water never broke. Like everything's very clean and straightforward, I feel like. Um, Everything's low risk this time around. This is the care I've had. I, I would do anything for you to be my provider. And she thankfully said that she would take me. And she mm-hmm. was like, I'm actually out of town for the next week, but if you are okay, we'll just start with the home visit. Cause they come to your house and kind of get a lay of the land. And that was my first appointment was my 37 week, um, home birth visit. And I was like, all right, we're doing this, like feeling great about it. And I had really jumped in this pregnancy I would say I had a normal pregnancy again all the way around. I didn't have as much pressure like I had with my second. Like I had a much more comfortable, if you can call it comfortable when you have two little kids. Um, It was a good pregnancy. And I spent probably the majority of it learning more about birth. and, And I listened to hundreds of hours of podcasts. And I was like, I want the beautiful birth that I've seen so many people have. I want the one that I walk away feeling like that I could do that a hundred times. I, I want to soak it in. I want to enjoy it. I don't want to feel like it's happening to me. I want to feel like I'm an active participant that's joining my body with my baby. And like in this beautiful, like, I, I can't even explain it. I just wanted it to be peaceful and worshipful and, I felt so confident that I could have that um, because I had studied and studied and listened and learned and heard stories about it. And um, I wasn't scared of it anymore. Like, cause I think for, after my first two being so intense, I was just a little bit scared. And this time I was like excited for it. And so um, it was summertime. I was due in June of last year. And so we were, you know, out at the pool a lot, super hot. And I was like, I'd really like to have a daytime birth this time. So that's what I had prayed for because the other two, one was born at midnight, one was born at 8 p.m. And I was like, then you want to stay up all night and look at your baby because you're so excited that you have a baby. And I want to have a daytime birth so that I can stay up and not be exhausted. Um, So I had had a couple mornings where I woke up super early with contractions, like 2 a.m. I'd be up and they never get closer together. Um, And then they just go away. We're at Saturday morning. But also, I forgot to mention that before that, I had, like I said, wanted to learn as much as possible. So I ordered my birth records from the hospital. I wanted all of my birth records so I could pour through them and see, like, was I missing anything? I wanted to like have a very accurate timeline of my birth so that I could always look back at them accurately. <laughs> and I learned that my son, when he was born, had meconium stained waters and had a nuchal cord and none of which had ever been said to me. And that was probably why they were monitoring his breathing more too. 
um, there's just all sorts of stuff. I found it really fascinating. If you ever have a hospital birth and you want to learn stuff about your birth. I also found out the name of the doctor who caught him when he slid out because I didn't know who that was. I never saw him again. I saw him for five seconds. So um, anyways, that was very helpful for me to like have my mind right. So anyways, it's Saturday morning. I, I'm up from 2 to 6 a.m. with contractions only 20 minutes apart, but they, they felt like a little bit more real. So I was like, oh, maybe today's the day, but don't get excited because I'm 39 and five this time. I'm still in my 39 week, um, but just, you know, it always makes you wait just one more day. Um, oh, it's it's really hard when you when your first birth is your earliest. and then It's like you're adding time on each time. It's like, this is not fair. <laughs> it's not. It's miserable waiting. Like, I, I always told myself, like, have a 42-week mentality because then you can't be disappointed. But I was still disappointed every time, and I never even made it to my due date. So, <laughs> oh well. Um, so I'm kind of, like, bummed because these are, like, 20 minutes apart. I know it's not real, but I can't sleep because they're real enough. Um, so, you know, we get up and decide to head to the pool with the kids for a little bit and um, – my parents' next door neighbor has a pool uh, that we swim at a lot. And so that's where we went because it's nice to have like some privacy, whatever. And my contractions are about 20 minutes apart all morning. And my mom would look at me and be like, you're having a contraction, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah, but it's not real. Like I just kept saying it's not real. Even though I was like, I think it will be real at some point. This feels real, but they're just taking their time. Um, and so because I felt like it was real, I was like, you know, could you guys keep the kids for a little bit and we'll go home and like prepare the house. Like I really do think it's going to happen in the next day or so. So they kept the kids around lunchtime. We went home and I took a shower and baked cookies <laughs> and labored and I, f they started coming closer together. So I started tracking around 3 p.m. and they were around seven minutes apart. So I texted the midwife and was just like, hey, just so you know, heads up. She's like, oh, thanks. Um, I'll probably take a nap, but I'll, I'm available if you, like, you just let me know when you want me to come. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not ready now, but when do you think, when do you think I should text you again? Like, I'm not really sure because I knew after my last birth was super fast. I'm like, this is just different. Like, I've never had this much notice. Well, I mean, I did with my first, but like. I wasn't expecting to have this much leeway to be able to say, oh, now or later. I just thought it was going to be super active really fast. Um, so I was like, you know, when do you want me to let you know? And she was like, maybe if they get to five minutes apart, because I've seen them drop to like three minutes pretty fast. Um, and we want to have time to put water in the birth pool, which I wasn't convinced if I would even use it yet, because I kind of felt like that. I never felt good about being in the water. I was like, ooh, that you're sitting in all your stuff. And it just felt unsanitary to me. And I don't really like, I don't even really like swimming. I don't really like being wet. So I was like, I don't know if that would be more comfortable for me or less comfortable. But I was like, everyone raves about it. So there has to be something really great about it. So maybe I should just have it as an option in case. I mean, I can get in. I can get out if I don't like it. Um, so... I texted her probably 15 minutes later because my next four contractions were three to five minutes apart. And I was like, okay, well, I think that you should come. So they got there around 4 p.m. 
and filled up the tub and it was so quiet. Like they came, we had, um, what is now my third child's room was the birth room. I didn't set up anything in it besides the birthing tub. So they filled it up and I just went to my room and walked around and was on my hands and knees. And I was much more mobile this time. Mm -hmm. And part of that, I think my contractions, as soon as they got there, slowed back out to five to seven minutes which I was again, a little disappointed about, but with the intensity, I was very confident that I was in active labor. And so I was like, it's fine. The baby will come when it comes. I'm not on a timeline. And I was very engaged mentally with what was going on. I could tell what was happening when it was happening. Um, I had asked the midwife, I said, my goal would be to do as much of this on my own as possible. I'd like to not get checked. I'd like to catch the baby if I can. Um, Cause I hadn't been actively engaged enough in the process with the previous ones to catch the baby myself. I was just like, and the baby's here and it's put on my chest and now I'm involved. But I wanted to be more in control of what was happening this time. Cause I felt confident to do that. So they were very respectful of that. She and her assistant um, mostly stayed in the birthing room. They'd come check the baby's heart rate every once in a while and make sure they were doing well with the contractions, but they quietly charted in their room and I walked around the house um, and I had debated whether I wanted my older kids there for the birth. Um, My daughter was four and a half, a little over four and a half at that point. My son was about two and a half. And I was like, my son won't care. Um, But since it's daytime, I had always been like, well, I guess it depends what time of day I go into labor and whatever. So I had my sister bring my daughter over because I was like, if she wants to come, she can come. If she doesn't want to come, that's fine. Um, But she said she wanted to come. So my sister brought her and my daughter was so sweet. She kept being like, mom, do you want to be touched right now? Because I was like, I might want to be touched. and I might not want to be touched. And you'll just have to ask or, you know, I'll let you know if I don't want to be. And she would kind of tickle my back or um, sometimes I was like, nope, not right now. Or I couldn't talk, you know, but it was really sweet to have her there and my and my sister, because this was my other sister who hadn't hadn't been there for my first birth. Um, and so it was kind of fun to have her get to share in this experience also. So, um, for the time I just kind of walked around, I went in my closet at one point and started crying, which I feel like I cry at some point during every labor. I didn't know why I was crying. I was just like, it's real. I'm having a baby. Um, and I just have my moment and then came back out and I was like, so when do you get in the tub? I asked the midwife and she's like, whenever you want. My goal would be for you to be in it for less than two hours um, total. And we don't want to slow down the labor if it's not to that point yet. But um, if you feel ready, you can get in. So I was like, all right. I felt like it, the intensity was there that I was ready to get in. I was like, maybe this will feel good. Well, the water wasn't quite high enough for me to like relax into. Um So I kind of had to like be on all fours for my belly to be underwater, um, which did feel good. I ended up liking being in there. Um, And so I was like, all right, I like this. I can do this. Um, And at one point I was like, okay, I want to feel like where the baby is. And so I checked myself and I was like, I feel the head. The baby is one finger up. (laughs) I told her. Um, And that was just so cool. I could feel hair. And I was like, Oh my goodness, like there's hair. Like I felt like I was getting to know my baby 
without seeing it. I don't know. It was really cool. Um, but I, I can't express the difference in how I felt during labor. Like I was so present, like I was having conversations. Now, again, my contractions were five to seven minutes apart, which was so different. Like I felt like a normal person. And then I just have a minute of intensity and I would kind of lean into it and do what I needed to do. But I felt like I was an active, an active participant in this beautiful process. I had my playlist going of worship music and I was just like, it was beautiful. Um, so at one point, I don't remember asking this, but I asked my husband for some chapstick and he went and got some and came back and was putting it on my lips. In my memory, I was like, oh, thank you for chap. Like you were so thoughtful to have gotten me chapstick. Um, cause I don't remember asking for it. Um, and he goes to put it back and I lean forward and just grunt the baby out. Like I had no idea that I was about to deliver. I was not pushing. It was definitely the ejection reflex. I just leaned forward and kind of like had a guttural response and, sh- and the baby just flew out. And I hear somebody calling Ryan because he was not back from putting chapstick on me. Um, and I'm like, oh, geez, he's not even here. Um, so I sit back and get the baby. And this baby like looks so different from my first two. My first two look so much like, and I had known from the ultrasound when I saw the baby on the ultrasound, I was like, this one looks different. And I looked up at my husband. And I was like, it is different than our other ones. Like it I don't know why that was the first thing I said, but it just was like, oh my goodness, like so amazing. Um, And I had decided beforehand, I wanted to hold the baby for like a couple of minutes before I checked the gender because I hadn't been like mentally present enough to enjoy that moment with the first two because I was so overwhelmed by everything happening. I was like, I want to give myself a second to like, okay, the baby's here before we have that moment. So I gave it you know, five minutes. And then they're like, okay, so what is it? And we looked and it was a girl, which we were thrilled with. I mean, obviously we've been fine with either, but I having grown up with two sisters had always wanted my daughter to have a sister. And we knew that we didn't want to have more children after this. So it was like, this would be really special if it was a girl and it was, and we, it just was a, such a beautiful moment. Um, and it it felt so surreal. So, you know, we're sitting there taking it all in. She's perfectly healthy and fine. And, um, my sister sent the family an update, um, that the baby was here and that I was good. And we had a few moments, of, or we heard a, some feedback from people afterwards, like they were so relieved. Um, I think that a lot of my family had been pretty apprehensive about it, but thankfully they, they trust me and they know that, um, I don't make decisions flippantly and they had been very supportive and not verbally, um, trying to challenge my decision at all. Um, but I didn't realize how much I think that had been weighing on them until the baby was here and healthy and they were able to like exhale. Um, (laughs) and so I think, I think I've been really, um, excited to get to show that some people who otherwise might've thought of it, and I'm not saying that it's the right decision for everybody to have a home birth, but I think it can be a beautiful option for a lot of people. And even a lot of people who would never consider themselves home birthers, because that is not something I would ever categorize myself as a person who would want something like that. 
Um, but I started to realize how much it lined up with biology and uh, how much it it creates a positive feedback loop for labor and um, bonding postpartum. And I just was so confident in that decision and, and got to experience like the birth I had been dreaming about. I literally dreamed about it every night. I was so, it's all I could think about for weeks and months. Like when I'm in, when I'm pregnant, I am in delivery mode and I, it was just everything that I had hoped for. And, um, I, I tell as many people as possible about it because I think that there's so much left on the table with the way that most people choose to birth. And it's not because they can't have better or more, more than what we settle for. And I also don't think everything is in our control. Like, I'm not saying that you can manifest it. Like, I don't believe in that. But I do believe that if you put in the time to learn and grow in your confidence about how your body can birth, I wouldn't say that I have great body connectivity normally, but I have never felt more connected to my body than I did during delivering my third child. And mm. it was like, it was worth all of it. Mm. And I told people, I was like, I would do that over and over and over again if I could. I've never felt stronger, more capable, more at peace, more happy than during that day. It was amazing. Wow. So it was just great. And then postpartum, it's been my easiest postpartum. I haven't struggled with anxiety or depression. Um, I've felt pretty even keel ever since, I think, mostly. And I learned a little bit more about like how important I mean, I've always been into nutrition, but like I really upped my protein this time around mm -hmm. and have had a much more stable weight that's allowed me to have more energy and enjoy my kids more. Um, and I would just say as much as all of my births, like on paper, I didn't tear with any of them. I didn't, my water never broke with any of them except on delivery. Um, and they were all relatively quick. Like my midwife did get there around 4 p.m. And she was born at 5.42 p.m. So once it really like kicked in, it was ready. But I had great experiences on paper with all three of them. But what it did for me mentally was completely different with each one. And if you take the time to digest each one and process it and sometimes... Like I didn't, I didn't necessarily do counseling for my birth experiences, but I think a lot of people could benefit from that. Um, but I just was so amazed at how you could have births with so many similarities, have completely different outcomes for you with your takeaways. Um, mm -hmm. And so I don't know, I'm, I think birth is the most amazing thing in the world and I love talking about it. And I love that you have created a platform where people can share their stories because it was listening to stories that made me feel like I could have that for me. So thank you. For oh, thank you. And and thank you for contributing to it at this point. It, it really is amazing how just simply shining light on the option, you know, just by sharing what has happened with other mothers allows for almost, you know, it, sometimes it allows us the permission to think, oh, well, what if that could be me? You know, what if? And and just having that, like, that ability to get a little bit creative with 
maybe what could it be like just mm -hmm. allows us to step into choosing it. I don't think a lot of people ask that question. What could it be like? Mm -hmm. Like, I think there's a picture that they have from what they've seen, but not necessarily like, if I could create an experience, what would I want it to be like? Mm -hmm. I guarantee you it would not be having certain side effects. You know, like everybody wants a easy quote unquote birth. Um, but I think that people overemphasize the pain and are fear that over the payoff of what could be from enduring. And at first it was enduring for me with my first probably two births. It was enduring pain is what it felt like. And it turned from that into engaging in this beautiful process, this transformative process. And I think the whole mindset shift, I mean, your mindset is everything going into birth. And again, there are things you can't control that, but I think people downplay um, your choice in provider and how that contributes to that. Mm -hmm. Um a lot of people are told I had to blank, blank, blank because of blank, blank, blank. And oftentimes that is only true for that provider mm -hmm. because that's what they're comfortable with and what they're used to. And um, finding somebody who aligns with what you know and what you want um, can make all the difference in the world. Mm -hmm. And every midwife is different. I think... Um, I had disappointment after my first two when they weren't really there for my births. Um, I mean, they were there for the actual birth on the first one, but she was busy with somebody else. And I think that's a lot of people's experience with their providers. And I did so much research before my third birth that I didn't even care if she was there or not mm -hmm. because I felt so con I mean, obviously I did, I did feel more comfortable having her there in case something went wrong. Cause that can always happen, but, or not always, but it can happen. Um, but I was so confident in the process of birth and my body's ability to do it that it was, it didn't matter to me anymore whether she was there or not um, because I wasn't looking to her to answer my questions of what was happening with me because I was so aware of what could be happening, what was happening. Like it was really cool. Mm. I I think that is is critical is understanding because I and I've I, I know that that I've talked about this before. But it's just so important to understand that it's not even your midwife's responsibility at the end of the day. Like, it's your responsibility. Once again, everyone else outside of you will not experience this event the, in, in the impactful way that you will. And so what's the one thing that we can control? How we prepare how yes. we educate ourselves, what we choose to do. Can we control every outcome? Just like you said, no, we can't. But we can set ourselves up to be our most confident and and prepared in the in the mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional aspects of this. Yes, you always you always say taking empowered responsibility. Mm -hmm. Um and that's exactly what it is. It mm. And it's empowering to have that responsibility and to realize at the end of the day, like the midwife's most concerned that you, some, some are more concerned about other things, but they're most concerned that you are safe and healthy. That's their job. It is like you said, your job to take your empowered responsibility to create the other elements of it that were, are going to impact you for life. This is your only birth story that you're going to have for each one of your children. Mm -hmm. 
and you can invest in it if you want. And you don't have to if you don't want to. I don't think it's everybody's cup of tea to know as much as possible. But if you're interested in it, it makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that there's also, you know, kind of a parallelism between that fear of pain that a lot of people have, you know, this, like, I just, I want to avoid pain. Similarly, there is that fear of taking responsibility. And the secret is that if we, if we can get over those fears, that is where the true, like you said, empowerment lies. Yeah, man. Sure. Laura Lee, this was such a fantastic episode. I think your stories share so much and they highlight so many things that are just critical for, for, for mothers to understand in terms of it is, it's not about the events themselves. It's about the way that they are perceived. And very similar events can be perceived, internalized. Before we started uh, recording, you used the word metabolized. And I think that was just so perfect. You know, it's about how we are able to, to take them on. And when we've prepared the way that you prepared with your most recent birth, we get the opportunity to internalize and metabolize in, in such a beautiful way. Um, so I can't thank you enough. The, these were just so such helpful examples of, of what birth can be like. Thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thanks for having me, Caitlin. I really enjoyed it. Wow. What a beautiful journey. As we head into this week's episode roundup, I'm using the takeaways that Laura Lee gave me specifically to share. They are absolutely perfect and I agree with them 100%. Number one, like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, it's so important for you to invest in your growth if you have an idea for your birth, as opposed to just leaving it to chance. In Laura Lee's journey, she spent so much more time preparing for her third birth which led to a sense of preparedness and joy in her actual birthing process that she had yet to feel before. She also felt far more settled in her third postpartum, and I have to imagine that her preparation played a role in this as well. Number two, even with births that looked both good and similar on paper, the reality is that this doesn't necessarily mean that they're experienced the same way. Laura Lee was able to internalize and metabolize her third birth experience immediately in a positive, joyous light because of, once again, the type of preparation that she did beforehand. And finally, this type of preparation leads to one more amazing birthing aspect, the feeling of being part of your birthing process as opposed to it simply happening to you. When we've prepared thoroughly, we are able to feel like an active participant with agency in our birth, not a helpless bystander whose body just happens to be birthing a baby. What a mindset shift with lasting implications. Okay, my friends, such an incredible story. Don't forget to prepare for your birth through Happy Home Birth Academy and use the code podcast today for 10% off. That's all I've got for you for today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.